0: Uh, Colossians chapter number two, we're going to talk about about three different groups of people. Uh, We covered the first one. I'm just going to do kind of a brief review on that from last week Uh, (coughs) and then cover the other two tonight of the false teachers and what they were trying to pull off with The Colossian church there. And and then we're going to try to apply a little bit of how some of the elements of their false teaching we still deal with today. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, let's go back to Colossians chapter number two and let's begin. uh, Let's begin in verse number 16. Uh, Colossians chapter two, verse 16. If you found your spot, say amen. Let no man therefore judge you in meat. "...or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a, a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ." In other words, those ceremonies was the shadow, Jesus is the substance. He is the deal, he is what we're after. "...let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility in worshiping of angels." Intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and by not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment, ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, verse 23, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Let's pray, and we'll get started tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help me. Uh, You know how desperately I need you in this hour and this time. And uh, Lord, I don't deserve to be here, and I I pray that you'll give me what I stand in need of. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll be with those that are here, that have taken time out to come and to hear your word. I pray that you'll bless them and help them, encourage them. Uh, Lord, be with our family at Fairview. I pray that you'll just encourage them. I pray that you'll strengthen them on that side of our city as they they strive to preach the gospel and reach people in that side of our county. I pray that your perfect will be done. God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you'll pardon uh, my sinus condition, uh, uh, we, we will pray and get through this today. How many of y'all know that, that, that pollen is still of the devil? <clears throat> I've not changed my theology from last week. It's still the same. Amen. All right, Colossians chapter number two, Paul is, uh, now, now let's, for those of you that haven't been here for the whole uh, beginning of Colossians, I want you to understand that, that Paul has not been to this place. He has not uh, personally, in person, he has not uh, visited this place. He has is, he is heard from uh, and gotten word from uh, the church at Colossae while he was incarcerated. So he is writing this letter to them to encourage them and to help them and to strengthen their resolve in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The the false teachers was doing everything they could to try to detour them away to other things besides the Lord. And, And the main point and the main purpose of this study is to know that Jesus is enough. Say that with me. All right, say it like you're saved and you mean it, all right? I, I want to hear you, Fairview. Come on now, let's hear it. You ready? Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. When you have Jesus, you have enough. Uh, they were trying to say, okay, you believe in Jesus, but you got to do these other things. Now, now, keep in mind, keep in mind, as a baby Christian, as a baby Christian, can you imagine hearing the gospel? And it is a real cool thing to hear the gospel. Josh, I need you to help me with a video. Don't let me forget that. All right. I tried to call you and you, and, and, and I didn't get you. And so anyway, just don't let me forget that. Sorry, I seen a squirrel right there. I had to just get. It. I just knew if I didn't tell you now, I'd forget. So don't let me forget. All right. This is Brother Josh. He's a great man in Fairview. He's here. Amen. Now listen. Uh, imagine being a baby Christian and hearing the gospel that your sins can be forgiven. And that no matter, no matter what you've done, if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, what Jesus did on the cross would be sufficient and would be enough for you to be forgiven and you to make it to heaven. How many of y'all would be excited about that? Now imagine that. Imagine hearing that believing that, receiving that, and going to church and serving Jesus and going through and, and, and just enjoying your walk with Christ, then all of a sudden a guest speaker shows up and says, well, not so fast. You're not doing enough. You don't have everything that you need to have. I know you thought you were okay and you were saved, but, but you need to do some of this other stuff. You see, you see where we're going with this? This is what was happening. And it was destroying their confidence. It was destroying the faith of the baby Christians here at Colossae. And Paul was responding to these false teachers and the false teaching they were given. Now, last week, we learned that there's three different groups. And some was kind of an amalgamation of all of them put together. Uh, One was the legalist. One was the legalist. Uh, some called them Judaizers that, that would follow Paul everywhere saying you got to have Jesus, but you got to you got to follow Moses, too. You got to you got to you got to be a, a believer in Christ, but you got to be a good Jew, too. So, amen. Got to follow the law. You got to follow the ceremonies. You got to uh, their there circumcision is required. You got to do the new moons. You got to do the feasts, and you got to do you got to got to got to got to got to got all that. And we talked about that last week and we'll, we'll cover some of that. But then, then you have the mystics. You have the mystics, the mysterious ones that were saying we have a superior knowledge that you you don't have, uh, you, you you just don't have, and you're, you're going to need our assistance to help you uh, to get to where you need to be. And it drifted off into angel worship, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. And then you have then you have the last crowd, the ascetics, the the uh, the people who believe the more you suffered. The more you disciplined yourself physically, the more spiritual you were. Because matter was evil. And your body's made of matter, so it's evil. So the more you suppress your body and, 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 and really harm or hurt your body, the more spiritual you are. And Paul is saying, that is ridiculous. And so this is what Paul is dealing with. And so let's jump right in there. Let's do, let's do just a, a small review <clears throat> Last week, we learned that when it comes to the law, when it comes to the ceremonialism in the Old Testament, we learned that that was a shadow. Say that with me. It was a shadow. A shadow shadow is just something that's cast from something that's coming. Are y'all with me? There is something that's coming, and it is casting a shadow. In other words, the shadow comes before the real thing. Does that make sense? All right? He is saying this, that the Old Testament law, the Old Testament ceremonies, the Old Testament way of doing life was just a shadow of Christ. Christ is the substance. Everything was to point you to Christ. The way they worship pointed them to Christ. The way they uh, 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 had to bring sacrifices, the Passover, the feast, the way they camped was in the shape of a cross. Everything was pointing to Christ. And he said this, once you have the substance, you don't need the shadow. And I illustrated it last week. I illustrated it last week. Why in God's name would you, uh, listen, if you had your sweetheart standing beside you, why would you be hugging her picture? Are y'all with me? Why? Why? This is the shadow. This is a picture. Everything in the Old Testament was a picture of what was to come. It was God the Father showing you what was to come or who was to come specifically. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen. Amen. So when you got the real thing, you don't need the shadows. You don't need the ceremonies. You don't need all that was required. That matter of fact, he said that has been done away with. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Now, so uh, for y'all that didn't have the answers, verse A, the teaching he shares. Uh, he is talking about the basis for our freedom. It's, it's, it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He fulfilled all the law. And by the way, by the way, just, just let me just throw this in. Uh, the law was not given to help you do right. Did y'all hear that? The law was not given to help you do right. Matter of fact, the law only makes you do more wrong. It it instigates wrong. It stirs up your flesh. Let me prove it. What's the first thing you do when you walk by and see? Don't touch wet paint. Or do not step on the grass. 55 miles an hour. For all you self-righteous people who's never stepped on the grass. What does it do? It just stirs it up in you. How many of y'all have figured out? How many of y'all figured out? There's not one single law that's been made that's kept you doing the speed limit. It can't. And you know, the same principle applies. Not one single. Okay. Okay. Let's prove it. Let's prove it. Let's, let's, let's just take it right out the Bible. Y'all don't like, y'all don't like the grass and the paint or the, or the speed limit. How about this? How many of y'all, how many of y'all have ever told a lie? If you don't raise your hand, this is your first time. <laughs> come on, come on. I want to see it. Raise them up. How many of y'all know that there is a law that says thou shalt not? Wow. Did it keep you from lying? No. Do you know what it was for? It wasn't to keep you from lying. It was to show you you're a liar. Or more specifically, more specifically, you're a sinner. And you see, you need to know you're a sinner. Because you will not seek a savior till you realize you're a sinner. Are y'all with me? Just like we won't go to the doctor till we feel sick. Do y'all hear me? But see, what they're trying to do is say, you have to follow the law because the law is conducive to salvation. And Paul is saying, the law has nothing to do with salvation but to tell you that you need to be saved. And Paul calls the law a schoolmaster. It's to teach you something. What? You're a sinner. You have fallen short of the glory of God. You need Jesus. The only person to ever follow the law completely was the Lord Jesus Christ. So he got all the credit. But guess what? Salvation, he gives you his credit. You couldn't live it. So I'm going to live it for you and give you the credit for it. Do you realize that's what salvation is? That's exactly what salvation is. He came. He lived perfect. We couldn't. But that's the only way we're going to get to heaven. So he gives us the credit for what he did. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness in him. And all God's people say it. So, so he says all these diets, these legalistic diets, legalistic days, uh, don't eat this, don't eat that. Y'all, y'all know, I mean, I'm not going to rehash that. We talked about that. The, the Jewish dietary laws. Um, they, they, they were not allowed to eat pork and shrimp and different things, and now we have bacon wrapped grilled shrimp. Say amen. God's in that. <clears throat> when me and Dad went to when me, me and Dad went to Israel, we were sitting at we were starving to death, man. We was at the at the motel and uh, and uh, and we just it was late that night. We just wanted pizza. And uh, and we's gonna order a pizza, and 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 even today, you know, some things are kosher. Not we wasn't about to get a pepperoni. Say amen. Even though I want us, well, how about hamburgers? And nope, nope, you can't mix dairy and meat. You can't put hamburger and cheese on the same pizza. I said, how about you put hamburger in this box and cheese in this box, and I'll get it when they get here. Amen. That would not fly neither. Amen. But what what are, what are these people teaching them? You got to keep doing that. You, you got to believe in Jesus, but you got to keep doing this stuff, too. In other words, let's just let's just say it plainly. Let's just say it plainly. They were telling them Jesus was not. Does this make sense now? And so Paul is fighting these legalistic people. He said, don't worry about the diets. Don't worry about the legalistic days, the feasts, the new moons, the Sabbath days. The Sabbath days was for the Jewish nation only. If we wanted to have church on Saturday night, we could have church on Saturday night. We we looked at all that last week in detail. So if you want to know more about that, go back uh, 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 and watch that. We could have it on Friday morning. We could have it on 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 Wednesday afternoon. It does not matter. We have freedom in Christ. Amen. Now, the truth the truth is the law was given. To show us our need for Christ. It is just a shadow. It's just a shadow. Verse 16. He said, let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of the holy day or the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Which are a. Everybody say it. Which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is Christ. All right. Now let's jump in where we stopped last week. Verse 18. Verse 18. <clears throat> let no man. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment, ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Now, If you want to divide up in your your Bible so you can tell which people he's talking to in which verses, verse uh, 16 and 17, he's talking to the legalists, okay? In 16 and 17, he's talking to the legalists. 18 and 19, he's talking to the mystics, all right? The mystics, the people that are going to talk about mysteries, their visions and things that they've seen or not seen, the spiritual realm, the spiritual world, the angel worshipers, Okay? That's, that's uh, uh, 18 and 19. Then you have 20 through 23. He's dealing with the, the ascetics. Uh, those who believed in, in self-harm, uh, body punishment. <clears throat> we'll get to them. Now, let's look at, our, let's look at our, our point number two. Here's a warning against mysticism. False teachers were telling them that Jesus Christ was not sufficient, as was the first group. That they needed something more. These people believe that they were privy to a higher level of spiritual knowledge and the, what's that word? Secrets. 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 Be careful. Anytime you hear somebody come up to you and say they've got a new revelation or secret, you better run. Because Solomon said there ain't nothing new under the sun. And if they got a secret, uh, you don't need to hear it. Are y'all with me? Now, they believe they had a secret, uh, 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 this special uh, ability, a spiritual illumination that nobody else had and they needed it. This high, now watch this. I, I, this, this just, this, this is, we see this today, especially in Catholicism, where you can't get what you need from the scriptures or Christ. You need my help. And Catholicism said, you need the Pope. You need the church to help you understand. You need, now there's nothing wrong with teachers. God gave us teachers. God gave us this. But listen, you can take this Bible and the Holy Spirit and go to a a, a deserted island and find out what the word says. Because the Bible says he has sent the spirit to be our teacher. Are y'all with me? But once again, man is trying to take your dependence on Christ away and put it on other men. Are y'all with me? Say amen. In the, in the Hispanic church Sunday, in the Hispanic church Sunday, we were there and, uh, uh, they had questions. And, and one of the questions I went to respond to the question and I was just going to tell her the answer. And it was like, immediately the Holy spirit said, take her to the verse, take her to the verse. So I took her to the verse and it dawned on me. Why am I I taking her to the verse? Because when somebody asks her why she believes what she believes, she don't need to say it because the preacher said so. She needs to be able to go to God's word in the book, the chapter, and the verse and said because God said Preachers are a dime a dozen. They'll come and they'll go. Churches will come and churches will go. But God's word is the only thing that endure forever. Are y'all with me? And so don't believe what the preacher said just because the preacher said it. Don't believe what any church or denomination says just because a church or denomination says it. What does God's word have to say? Not a false teacher. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Look, this higher hidden truth was beyond Jesus Christ in the word. In other words, your salvation that you have in Jesus, the scriptures that you have in your hand, they're not enough. You need to know what we've got to tell you. Do you see how this is working? You've got to have this extra wisdom that only we have. These heretics formed an elite exclusive group that disdained unenlightened and simplistic Christians. They effectively beguiled some Christians and drew them away from confidence in Christ alone. Mysticism may be defined as a pursuit of a deeper or higher subjective religious experience. It is the belief that spiritual reality is perceived apart from the human intellect and natural senses. We have a lot of this. In the charismatic movement. Listen, I have taken people and we we would have a discussion. We would have a discussion on a certain belief or a certain activity, if you will. And I'll say, this is what the Bible says about this. And this this is the response. This is the response. Well, I just know what I experienced. Well, there's a problem. Because what you're doing is you're elevating your experience above what God's word says. And let's just take that out of the the equation, okay? Let's just take that out of the equation. What if, what if my experience in whatever topic or subject we're dealing with is different than your experience? Which experience is right? If you don't. Have a ruler. You gotta go by the ruler. Amen. How many of y'all know when you're cutting boards, you're cutting boards, you take the the stick, the one you cut them all. If you can cut one and then use that one and then cut and use that one, and by the time you get ten of them, they're all off. You gotta use the same rule. You cannot base truth, doctrine, or teaching on experience. They were saying, You need our experience, you need to know the visions that we've had. Man, man, I'm telling you, when people, I see people posting visions all the time. There was a lot of people doing it around uh, the election time and, and around uh, before they uh, uh, ratified or did whatever they did. Uh, don't worry, don't worry. I saw it in a dream and a vision. Trump is still going to be president. How'd that turn out? Come on, y'all read them too. Don't look at me that way. W- what happened with the dream? What? Listen, that wasn't in the Bible. Listen, we've got to stick with the book. Jesus is enough. His word is enough. Say that with me. His, word his word is enough. Don't go by. <sighs> I I was talking with someone. And I I mean, I went verse after verse after verse after verse. And all I know is I saw my grandmother do it. So it's got to be real. Man, I I appreciate your grandmother and I appreciate her experience and all of that. But that cannot be what you determine doctrine with. Does everybody see where I'm going with this? Now, now, first we see, first we see a, write this down. We say false humility. Look what he says. Look what he says in verse number, verse number 18. Let no man beguile you means to pull you away, kidnap you, drag you away from your reward in a voluntary humility. Voluntary humility means self-abasement. It's kind of like self-deprecation. You ever see somebody that's always just talking bad about themselves? You know, they could be dropped dead gorgeous as can be and they're just talking bad about themselves. That, that's, that's, I want you to look at me. That's pride. That's pride. When somebody's constantly, that's what he's talking about here. They, and, and you'll see why I'm, I'm meaning this self-deprecating. It's a false humility. We're so low. God is so high. We, we can't even attain to, so we're going to need some help. Now watch this, watch this. This brings us into B. This brings us into B. First, he has to deal with false humility. Then, angel worship. Angel worship. Look what he says. He says, and not hold. Excuse me. Back at verse eighteen, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. Uh, look what. It, look what we. I'm going to give you. You don't have this because I didn't have room in the outline. So just listen. Listen close here. <clears throat> All right. This is where you get the false humility from. This is what they would teach. God is unknowable. God is unknowable to the limited and uncertain powers of man. He is too high to be accessible and too much absorbed in loftier matters to concern himself about individual man. In other words, God is so high... He's so important. He is so powerful and he's so mighty. Now, I'm not going to disregard that at all. I, I, I believe all that. I do. I believe that God is everything. You can't make him high enough and you can't make him more powerful. He, he is all that and more, right? But he's not too busy. They were trying to bring across to people and make you feel guilty for going to God with your issue. Hey, listen, he's way too busy to even think about messing with peons like us. So we need to go to an inferior, an inferior source. Who would that be? The angels. We need to go to the angels to help us with this because God is so mighty and we're so low. And watch this. Watch this. He can be approached only through inferior beings. This is the angels. And their assistance should be humbly sought. That's their reasoning. But see, this humility was self-induced; it was self-deprecation. They were saying, "We just, we just, uh, uh, we just can't do it, so we got to have their help." It was really spiritual pride. But then it didn't. It, it went on past. It went on past the 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 line of we need their help to get to God, which is false doctrine, and I'll show that to you in just a second. But but then it went to full blown. Worship of angels. Now, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all know, whatever begins to become more important or take more of your time than God, you end up worshiping it? Whether it's a person, whether it's a career, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a sport, a child. Hmm. Boy, it's quiet, ain't it? So now they move into worshiping of angels. Now here, here, here was the deal. And, and see the, the false teachers, they played on the habits of the Jews. The Jews were fond of philosophizing about the dignity, offices, and ranks of the angelic powers. Many held the opinion that they were messengers who presented our prayers to God. In other words, they would, these false teachers were telling them, it's the angels that bring your prayers to God. The false teachers made the most of the authority they could derive from Jewish sources. They would tell how the law was given by the disposition of angels. The angels conducted the Israelites through the wilderness and on various occasions appeared to patriarchs, prophets, and apostles. They would dwell on the weaknesses of man and his distance from God and insist that homage should be paid to these angelic messengers as necessary mediators." But how fatal this has been in the influence through the centuries to the point it became idolatry. Michael the archangel was worshipped way and in, late into the second century. Listen, what about not just praying to angels, but praying to past saints? How about this? Mary. I was listening to a, I was listening to a, uh, a radio program. <clears throat> and they were talking about, said, well, Protestants just don't, you just, you just don't understand. We're not worshiping Mary, which is false. I've seen it. I've seen it. We're not worshiping Mary. We're just, we're just calling on Mary and the, the, the saints that have gone on to heaven to help us in our prayers. Not one single verse in God's word says to do that. Let me show you what God's Word actually says. Let me show you what God's Word actually says. Guys, y'all got them verses? Brother Chris, watch this. John 14, 6. If you look on your screen there, guys. If you look on your screen. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am. Now who's speaking? Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, everybody read it. Even you at Fairview, y'all help me read right here. Watch this. Jesus said, no. So in order to get to God, how do we get there? Through Mary? Through Stephen? St. Augustine? Michael? Gabriel? Who? Jesus. That's what it says, Right? Watch this. How about this one? 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator. One mediator. The person in between, right? One mediator between God and men, the man who. So who who is helping us get to God? Any angel? Any old saint dead? Not one. Hebrews 7, 25, wherefore he, talking about Christ, is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he, that's talking about Christ Jesus, he ever liveth to make, say it with me, to make for them. You know what that means? Praying for you. Y'all with me? Not one angel, not one saint, nobody but Christ. Now, I'm giving you verses. I'm not telling you what a, a, a church tradition is saying. I'm telling you what God's word is saying. Are y'all with me? 1 John 2, 1. First John 2, 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an... Advocate. Now, now, advocate, just think about the, the word ruler. Someone who represents you. If you go before a court and you have a judge there... You you have somebody to represent you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Somebody goes on your behalf. Man, that was one, one of the first times I ever been in a courtroom uh, in court cases. When I come here, I'd never been in a courtroom till I came to to uh, Coleman and, and somebody in the church wanted me to go. I don't do that, by the way. Don't ask me to do that no more. <clears throat> if your character needs me as a character witness, your character ain't good enough. Say amen. I was sitting there. I was sitting there, and I was nervous, man. Only court I ever seen in my life was Perry Mason. Josh, I was sitting there, and the, and a dude come out the back. He looked like he was this wide and this tall. It was Judge Cheney, biggest man I ever seen in my life. He comes and sits down in that chair, and they would call out names. But instead of the person who was being was in in court, somebody would walk up with a slick suit on and a briefcase and say, "I am here." On his behalf. Now I thought that was cool until my man was up, and he goes up with his lawyer, and I'm, this is this is exactly the way it happened. I'm telling you, I can see it in my head right now. I still have tremors and nightmares. Judge Cheney does like this, <laughs> and looks around them and right at me, and he points at me and says, "Are you with them?" I want to say, "Huh." I'm just here checking this out, man. How to, yeah. God help me. An advocate is one that stands on your behalf, not an angel, not not an old saint, not one that's already died and gone on. Let's see who the advocate is, all right? Let's see who the the one who is standing up for us. Look at what it says. We have an advocate with the Father. Who is it? Jesus Christ. Say it again. So, I I would assume, which we're not supposed to do, but I'm going to just go ahead and say, I guarantee you, according to these four verses we read, Jesus is enough. Would you agree with me on that? You don't need angels' help. You don't don't need St. Peter. You don't need St. Stephen, St. Augustine. You, You don't need all these people we put the word saint in front of. You don't even need me. Do you realize every single child of God born again can go boldly before the throne of grace? That's cool. You know why he can do that? Because we have an advocate. Jesus has provided the way. Now there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with getting people to pray for you. I do that. Uh, I, I, there's a couple of preachers I know if I have a really serious message and it's a real burden, I'll call them on Saturday, Sunday morning and say, hey man, say, say extra prayer for me. And, and they will. They will. There's nothing wrong with getting people to pray for you. But just know this, you don't have to have them. You don't have to have them. If anybody tells you you need something extra, you know they're wrong. And that's what was happening in this early baby church. They were telling them Jesus was not enough. Now, all God's people say it. Amen. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at the next verse. Look what it, look what it says. <clears throat> verse 19. You see, they were depending. They were dependent and teaching dependence on angels. Idolatry. And the reason that they were doing that, and, and the, the reasoning behind it, if you will, it says they were intruding into those things which he had not seen. Talking about the spirit world, the unseen In other words, the reason we know that this is the case, that you need the angel's help and you're not high enough is because we've had visions and and, and we've had dreams that you you haven't had because you're not really on the spiritual level that we are. So that was their their argument to substantiate their teaching. And Paul basically, in, in, in his way, is saying that's all baloney, every bit of it. Now, look at the next part. He says in verse 19, And not holding the head. Now, who's the head of the church? Jesus. He said, you're holding on to a false teaching. You're holding on to angels or a belief that angels can help you when you should be holding on to the head. Because it is the head that controls the body. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. Look at, look at the verse. Let's read the whole verse together. Let's read the whole verse together. And not holding the head from which all the body, by joints and bands, have nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Now let's not start, starting at the top. We know the head is Christ. If you, if you know that, say Amen. The head is Christ. He is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. So so what do we learn from this one verse? Christ is the head of the church, which means he is the center of its unity, is the center and source of its life, its authority, its influence. (coughs) Excuse me. He founded the church and gave it its shape, symmetry, and durableness. He alone is supreme, the alpha, the omega, the living and only head. To ignore him is to forfeit the substantial. Listen, the ability to grow and have growth in Christ. You don't need an angel; you need Christ. If you neglect the head, you neglect the very source of all that you need for a Christian walk. Say Amen. Now, now, write this down. Let me give you. Let me give you this first. I I, I miss one. All right. A. We have false humility. Y'all got that? Did I tell you that one? False humility. B, we see angel worship, which is idolatry, which is idolatry. If you're praying to anything but it, Jesus Christ, you're, it's idolatry, period, period. C, extra biblical visions. That's looking into things that they could not see, the mysterious spiritual world. Verse 19, they ignored growth in Christ. They ignored growth in Christ. Look. Christ is the head. It is essential, it is essential that the church be united to Christ. Let me say that again. It is essential, that's where we see the bands. Y'all see that in verse 19? The bands, the joints were brought together. What brings us together? You see, we have muscles and we have bones, but what keeps them tied together It's the sinew, it's the bands, it's the ligaments. Are y'all with me? In other words, Jesus is the thing that holds us all together. As the members of the human frame are joined to the head and derive life, motion, and sensation from it by means of the arteries, veins, nerves, and other attachments, so the spiritual members of Christ are knit to him by invisible joints and bands, Which just simply means we depend on him for our sustenance, our character, our influence in our community, and the power to live godly. Does this make sense? He said when you lean toward trusting in angels, you're completely ignoring the only source that's there for what you need. You cannot neglect Jesus. Church, if we center on anything other than Jesus, we've made a huge mistake. We cannot depend on any. And matter of fact, let's just say this. I know this is what they're dealing with, but we can apply it to us. If we're dependent on our own ability, we've made a huge mistake. Do you know what's a sad thing? Do you know in, in uh, Revelation, Revelation chapter number. Uh, chapter number two. Chapter number two. Uh, Paul, has, or excuse me, not Paul. Uh, John, through the inspiration of the Lord, wrote letters to the seven churches in Asia, which represented uh, the, the 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 church as a whole. And it gives all those seven churches gives a different period of time in the 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 timeline of the church, all the way from the apostolic age to the Laodicean age that we're in now. If that makes sense, say Amen. In the very first one. In the very first one. Do you know what he told them? He said, man, you're working hard. You're not putting up with sin. You're doing this. You're, you're laboring. All I mean, they, he made a list that every pastor would be proud of. But then he said, but I have somewhat against thee. I have somewhat against thee. Because you've left your first. In other words, you're doing what you're doing out of obligation and not Adoration. You're doing it because you're supposed to be doing it, not because you want to do it, not because you love me and you're doing it out of love for me. You're doing it out of obligation. God cares why we do what we do. God doesn't just care about what we do. He cares about the motivation behind what we do. You know why? Because if you don't love what you do, you're not going to do it long. And by the way, there's no church there now. You know what he said? He said, remember from whence thou art fallen. In other words, remember where it was. Remember how you were. You remember the fire and the excitement that you had. He said, remember from whence it started falling. Repent. Repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I see where I was, Lord. I agree with your assessment of where I am. Repent and do thy first works. Go back and do what you were doing. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Y'all with me? But that's not even what I wanted to say. Look at the last part. No, what in Revelation, you don't have that. He said, he said, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Now, the candlestick represented the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, in the simplest terms, you know what that means? He says, you're going to go to church one day and you're all going to show up to have church. And my spirit and my power and my presence is not going to be there. You know the sad thing in America? Probably 90% of the churches in America or 95 would just keep having church and have no clue. It's the same thing that happened to Samson. Y'all remember Samson? Samson, the man who had extreme supernatural power. And one day he jumped up to do what he had always done before, but this is what the Bible said, but he had no clue that he had no spirit on him anymore. What's the point? If we're not dependent on God for this big project, if we're not dependent on God to win souls, if we're not dependent on God for our needs, our marriages, our ministry. Raising our kids. Then we're, we're, we're leaving, we're 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 not holding to the head. See, it's Christ. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that's going to give you what you need. Jesus is the one that's going to supply. What did he say in John 15? Abide in me and I in you. Right? Look what it says. Look in your look in your verse. You do have that. Amen. John 15, 4. When you get there, say amen. This is under letter D. Letter D in your outline. Read it with me. Abide in me. Can we say that that would be holding on to him? Abide means to hang with, spend time with. All right? Say it with me. Abide in me. And as the branch cannot bear fruit. Come on, keep reading. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. In other words, totally trust and depend on me. Now watch, let's all read. Verse five. Everybody read it fair of you. Help us now. Verse five, I am the vine. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much. For without... Ye can do what Jesus is saying. Not only am I enough. Not only am I enough. I'm the only one that can get it done. Y'all see that? So, Paul is saying, don't worry. Don't listen to these false teachers. Don't listen to them. Christ is enough. Don't let them... Don't let them get you to doubting what you have in Christ. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever listen to anyone who would make something other than knowing Christ through his word a requirement for spiritual maturity. Many movements today keep scripture a distant second in importance to visions and revelation. That goes back to what I said earlier. They'd rather tell you what they felt or what they experienced. They're going to trust that more than what God says specifically and plainly in his word. All right. Number three, number three, number three, we see a different group of people. We see the mystics who believed in worshiping angels. We need the angels help. That's baloney. We've debunked that myth. We only have one mediator. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen. Look in verse 20. He says, wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments, what do we say rudiments was last week? It's the elementary things, the simplistic things, the very beginnings. All right. The rudiments of the world. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not which are all to perish with the using. In other words, if you ate a pork sandwich, it's going to perish. It's going to perish. It's going to go and it's going to go through and it's going to go into the sewage and out the drop. Jesus said that. He said, it's not what goes in. It's not what goes in that condemns you. It's not what goes in that will will cause you to be sinful. It's what comes out of your mouths. Out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaketh. Are y'all with me? He said, it don't matter what you eat. That doesn't make you any better, or any worse. And this is what Paul's trying to say. But there was a group of people. Matter of fact, uh, Brother Griggs, do you remember when we went to, um, when we went to uh, the area around the Dead Sea Scrolls, where we, where we found the Dead Sea Scrolls? There was a group of people called the Essenes. And some people believe, some people believe that John the Baptist spent time, it's, this was, all right, how many of y'all know that the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were very strict and legalistic? How many of y'all know that? Everybody? Well, the Essence made them look like liberals. They begin to, they begin to teach us and show us what all that they would do. They they would only eat like bread and water. They would they would only eat certain foods that was showing their discipline because they didn't want to reward the flesh at all. They would have ritualistic uh, baths several times a day, and 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 you know the way they would dress. What what was John Baptist wearing? Y'all remember camel hair, camel hair. What did he eat? Locusts and wild honey. Now I'm not I'm not. I, I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really think because locusts taste that well. Are y'all with me? But it was a group of people that believed. Now keep in mind what they believed. It would help you understand why they would do that. They believed matter was evil. And your body is made of matter. So it's evil. So the more you could harm the body or restrict and discipline the body, the more spiritual you were. You couldn't go here, you couldn't do this, you couldn't taste this, you couldn't touch this, you couldn't be a part of this. They didn't believe in marriage, complete, complete celibacy, all of these things to restrict and discipline. And the more disciplined you were, the more spiritual you were. Because you were disciplined, the body, and the body is matter, and matter is evil. You see why they're teaching this? Now, let's see what Paul has to say about that. <clears throat> An ascetic is one who lives a life of rigorous self-denial. Rigorous self-denial. This is an attempt to gain righteousness by self-denial, advocating poverty as a means of spirituality. Ascetic practices were popular during the Middle Ages. Wearing hair shirts next to the skin, sleeping on hard beds, whipping oneself. That was actually a... That was actually a religious routine. You would actually whip yourself some with thorns to to discipline yourself and cause yourself to get the flesh under subjection. How ridiculous. Listen, you could starve yourself to death, guys, and walk outside and a woman walk by have dress and you're still going to have a problem. Because none of that stuff controls the flesh. Nothing you can do on the outside can control the flesh. It's what happens on the inside in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, they believed in punishing themselves, going without food or going without sleep, sleep deprivation for extended periods of time. You would see, you would see, and a lot of monks and monasteries picked up bits and pieces of this down through the years and didn't believe in any kind of comforts at all, any kind of, uh, uh, things that would make life easier, if you will. But first he says, he tells about our spiritual position, verse twenty. A, write that down. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Write that down. Hurry. Our spiritual position in verse 20, we're dead with Christ. We're not only dead with Christ, but we're alive with Christ. All the laws, all the rudiments, all of this, thou shalt and thou shalt not. All of that stuff was nailed to the cross. He covered it all. We're living in Christ. We're living in Christ. And by the way, my righteousness is not based on what I eat or don't eat. My righteousness is solely 100% depending on what he did on the cross. Because guess what? The best I can muster up in my own righteousness according to scripture is as filthy rags. Amen? All right. B. Our spiritual position, but then we see useless man-made rules. Useless man-made rules. 21 and 22. Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't handle this. It all perishes. Now watch this. After the commandments and doctrines of men. Now a commandment is the activity. The doctrine is the reasoning for the commandment. Does that make sense? Uh, In other words, the, the rule they made up for you to follow, that they would teach a certain teaching, for instance, for instance, Uh, discipline your body. The teaching would be your body is evil. It's matter. You see what I'm saying? And so Paul is fighting their their rules they're making and then they're teaching about the rules. Jesus had the same problem. How many times did Jesus get in trouble with the Pharisees and Sadducees because he broke their rules? Not God's. God never broke A commandment that was God's. But he busted theirs all to pieces. Every chance he got. Every time he could he did it. And then. Then. He told them. He said by your man made rules. You're making the actual truth. Of none effect. By your tradition. Are y'all with me? Man made rules don't work. And guess what? They really never went away. I grew up in a movement that had tons of man-made rules. That's my father. Can't do this, can't do that. If you do this, you're not spiritual. I know of a a preacher in a big revival meeting, camp meeting really, tons of people, ton, packed house, had all the preachers stand up. You know, which is not unusual in a a Baptist camp meeting because you know, a lot of times they'll have all the preachers stand up and introduce who you are, where you're from, you know, and all that kind of thing. And that, and, you know, nowadays you got to say, if, if you're a male preacher, stand to your feet, you know, which is, anyway, you just have to get it back then. But, uh, uh, and had them all stand up. And then, then he said, if you own a TV or if you don't own a TV, you can sit down. And so all the preachers that had a TV were still standing. And he said this, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we don't have a revival in America. In other words, you're not godly or spiritual if you got a TV. That's a man-made rule, guys. Now, if you don't want one, don't have one. But don't make it a commandment. Now, are they, are they, can they be ungodly? Absolutely. Can they be a problem? Absolutely. Do we need to probably throw them out? Probably so. But you can't stand behind a pulpit and make a command. You see, I'm just trying to apply it to the days so you can understand. Man-made rules are useless. Everybody say it with me. Man-made rules are useless. They're useless. See. It presented a false appearance of spirituality. Verse 23. It says, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body. Not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. In other words, it didn't do you a bit of good. You're no more spiritual if you did. You're no more spiritual if you didn't. Asceticism might make a person appear spiritual because of its emphasis on humility and poverty, but it serves to only gratify the flesh. It is a vain attempt to appear more holy than others. That's what that means. Preacher, what's the point? The point is this. You cannot, you cannot judge a book by its cover just because a woman has a dress slammed to the floor and to her chin doesn't make her no more holy than the one sitting beside her just because the guy talks about bible verses and puts bible post bible verses on i'll be honest with you people i know some stuff and i know some people and when i see them post some stuff on facebook it takes all of the Holy Ghost in me not to just post in big, bold letters. Seriously? Seriously. Don't judge somebody's spirituality by what they do or don't do. And when I, I, I'm not talking about bar hopping and getting <laughs> drunk. Not, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about, you know. I don't have to rehash this whole thing. Just because they sit in the front pew and carry a Bible that big, you can't judge their spirituality by that. Listen, let's trust in Him. Let's trust in Christ. He's enough. Don't let anybody ever try to damage your confidence that you have what you need when you have this book and you have Him as your Savior. And all God's people say it.